Hello, and welcome to episode 55 of the Ask Mr. DNS podcast. I'm Cricket Lou, here with my co-host, Matt Larson. Hello, everyone. And uh, do we dare speak of the belatedness? <laughs> the- I suppose. This is, this is the largest gap ever. It is. Do you realize we've been doing this for 10 years? Is that right? Let me look years. at the uh, let me look at the website. The first one was December twentieth, two thousand eight. Wow! So this is this is almost the uh, the tenth anniversary, and and some of our uh, some of our more critical listeners might say, and the production quality is no better now than it was then. <laughs> <laughs> well, we aim for consistency here at the Ask Mr. DNS podcast. That's right. <laughs> Like an old shoe, right? You always know what you're going to get. That's right. So I, I think uh, we should wait and publish this on December 20th and call it the 10th anniversary triumphant return. Yes, I think, I think that is, is a great idea. We have a very special guest today. Um, Paul Hoffman is joining us. Greetings. And Paul... Hi, Paul. We'll let you introduce yourself shortly, but we're going to talk about something that's been in the DNS news, which is DNS over HTTP. Or do you say DNS over HTTPS, Paul? What do the what do the DNS over HTTPS? The S is not only not silent, but it's extremely important. Okay. Yeah, I know the protocol says you've got to do S. I just don't know when people are talking about it. How if you tend to put the S on or not? But so anyway, that has been kind of in the DNS news. <laughs> Which is to say that, which is to say that I, I argued with, with Oliver about it. <laughs> yeah, that was that was kind of fun to check in on that on on Twitter. It's like ooh, a, an old style, almost flame war kind of mm-hmm. thing going on here. So, um, but yeah, so we thought uh, Paul is one of the co-authors of uh, the DOE specification. So we thought that we ask Paul on the podcast to talk about it and. Um, do something kind of timely. So with that, Paul, maybe do you want to tell us, tell our uh, millions of listeners about yourself? Uh, sure. Uh, I am a, uh, God, what is my title? I am a principal technologist <laughs> um, at ICANN. And for those of you who follow the podcast, you might know that uh, Matt, one of the two co-hosts, is the VP of research. And for those of you who can do math, that means I work for Matt. So I'm on a podcast with my boss. But you're not you're not under any sort of duress, are you? Just for the record, you're not being forced to say anything. No, to, no, no, not uh, at all. I'm sitting here in in lovely Santa Cruz, looking at the the sun come up and things like that. So, and your your family will be just fine if this goes well, Paul. <laughs> Very good. I, I I I'm glad my family will be just fine. That that was easier than I thought. Um, and then so the other background on this is that I am the co-author, as Matt said, uh, as Cricket said of the uh, RFC, which is uh, for DNS over HTTPS, um, which everyone just calls DOE. Um, and that's that's RFC 8484. And we did not have to spend any money to get the good RFC number. Um, but that So that was published as an RFC a couple months ago. Um, and after about a year's worth of work um, in the IETF and the DOE working group, but so and but to be clear, I'm just co-author. My other co-author, uh, Patrick McManus, uh, was working at Mozilla at the time. He's now at Fastly, um, but um, it, it was very much a cooperative effort between Patrick and I and 
a zillion DNS people and HTTP people um, in the working group. I wondered about the the eighty four eighty four whether that was serendipitous yeah. or whether you'd actually requested it because um, it, it seems to me that that Doe and and Dot and um, a few other a few other uh, work streams are sort of products the, the responses to this idea of um, you know pervasive monitoring and interception and things like that which is sort of nineteen eighty four ish right so eighty four eighty four could be uh, but no. Uh, it, uh, so I've had a lot of experience with the RFC editor, and I know you can ask and um, for certain numbers, and they used to be much more amenable to it until it got too complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if they see, by the way, now we aren't even talking about Doe anymore, but if the RFC editor sees a cute number coming up for a document, they will... Uh, give you a cute number if they see it. So like if you're doing a revision of RFC 5678 and there's an and 78, you know, you might get the next 78. They'll do that. But no, we got 8484 because it came up in their queue. Mm-hmm. So is it worth um is it worth describing briefly sort of what Doe is? I mean, I think sure. we've we've heard so far that it's DNS over HTTPS, but I would imagine that there are some people listening who are wondering, well, why? <laughs> so, well, the the why is that the browser vendors were going to be doing this anyways. Uh, so really the, the 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 question of why is not why you would do it because if someone wants to do it they can. You know, you can do whatever you want on the web. If you're a browser vendor, you can do whatever you want. Um, or if you're an email client vendor, you can do whatever you want. Really, the why for why is there an RFC is that um, instead of a browser vendor just doing it on their own and therefore there wouldn't be any interoperability with servers and therefore they would have many fewer servers available, um, the standard was came out as a, um, if, you're, if you want to do DNS or HTTPS, um, this is the way you should do it. It's certain. It's not a statement of this is a good thing that you should do. It's more if you're going to do it, here's an interoperable way to do it. And so the basically, if inside of the spec is a couple of interesting things. One is it says this is not just an HTTP tunnel, meaning it, it you really have to do full on HTTP. You know, it's not like we're just doing a wrapping here. So an HTTP, um, as some DNS people have now learned in the last year, is really complicated. It's got, all, mm-hmm. especially HTTP2, has all sorts of interesting things like server push and weird caching and stuff like that. So Doe, one of, one of the important things in Doe that says is that if you're doing this, you, you're really doing HTTP. It just happens to be that you're carrying DNS instead of GIFs of cats. Um the other thing is that there are many ways to talk DNS. You know, there is the DNS wire protocol, which we are all familiar with. There is the obvious thing that people say is, oh, well, why don't you just do DNS in JSON or do DNS in ASN1 or whatever. And so the spec also says you can do it, you can do your DNS however you want, but we are only going to describe one of them, and that is actually the wire format. And the main reason right. we did that is that if you every time you change a wire format into um, like JSON, you're going to lose information either because you know 
every time er, every time you gateway something, you lose information. But also lazy implementers. You know, it would be trivial for a lazy implementer to go, oh, I'm going to do DNS and JSON. Ooh, and that that eDNS stuff looks hard, so I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the dose spec says no for for the baseline, you got to be able to do the full DNS, which means just um, wrap wrap the the queries and responses. Um, correctly in HTTP and mark them as such. Was there any resistance uh, from the browser vendors to doing DNS wire format as opposed to JSON? Um, there was initially until they realized that it's easier for them to carry JSON around, but it turns out to be actually like when you think about, oh, I need to convert this wire format into JSON, that's actually harder than not converting it. And so, uh, and, and they did buy the argument that I, I think some of them at least could see, yeah, some of them would get lazy and not do EDNS. And they thought, oh, well, th- those are just extensions. And when someone pointed out, well, those extensions are needed for like DNSSEC, they're like, oh, okay, fine, we'll buy into that. Because a lot of HTTP itself, if you read the new HTTP2 spec, is intensely complicated and very format specific and stuff. I mean, this is just the way that protocols get. So they weren't like against the complexity. They were just like, oh, Jason's familiar. Oh, but it's not good enough. And, and therefore, after a while, none of them were arguing for Jason. And they could, someone could say, hey, I really want a Jason format. And the Doe spec totally allows that. But it's already been out for a few months and no one has really proposed it. So I don't think it's going to come out. So, so Paul, I was what I was getting at with the why is I imagine that there are some people who are wondering, what does what does do do so what what functionality ah. does it provide not not right. <laughs> from a political standpoint but but what 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 use is it so uh, I am not a browser vendor so I will not speak for them um, but some of the browser vendors wanted early on uh, to be able to get more reliable DNS responses than what they were getting from the operating system and to uh, give privacy to their to the browser users of their DNS queries. So mm-hmm. um, because we have DNS over TLS, also known as DOT, for a couple of years, but have seen basically no serious implementation of it on the uh, um, operating system side. And even if we did, a browser who's on a, a computer that's running DOT doesn't know it. So they were like, hey, we don't know if we're getting any DNS privacy here. Mm. Um, and remember, browsers themselves will issue DNS queries that are not something that you see on a web page. They use the DNS themselves for doing various things, and they might want that traffic to be private. So, so the two big things were privacy and reliability. If you've got an HTTPS tunnel open, it took a little bit longer to set it up than, than just sending DNS queries, but at that point, you've got a locked-up tunnel that is both private and reliable. You know, it's running over TCP. It's got the, it's got the framing and stuff like that. So they were going to do it anyways, and then they said, well, we should probably do this in a standardized fashion. Okay, and it does, it does also have the ability, at least, to provide server authentication too, right? I mean, as as yes. HTTPS does. Yes, exactly right, and as does DOT. Um, but mm-hmm. they, and again, if you think of the world from the browser vendor's perspective, um, there that is so inherent to them that of course you need to know who you're talking to. That they just sort of were looking down their noses at us, who were saying, "Well, 
you know, well, there's this DNSSEC thing, but it's only, you know, implemented in a third of the customers or less and stuff like that. They were like, well, we've already forced everyone into HTTPS. What's wrong with you guys? Therefore, we're going to bring you into our world. You, you know, you DNS queries are going to start coming from our world. And, and that makes sense. Well, and so that's actually uh, the server-side authentication is one of the reasons, or actually kind of the main reason, right, that the configuration of a Doe server on a Doe client is a URI. Yes, yes. And in fact, it's a URI template, something that I really didn't want. But uh, the, <laughs> the, the um, you know... Oh, now, what's that mean? I, I don't... I... A URI template is that it's not... You don't know the... In order for me to tell you um, how to use this Doe server over here, I have to give you the whole URI. I can't, we, we started off saying, well, we'll use a dot well-known um, address, and we were told, no, that's not the HTTP way to do this. Um, instead, it has to be a template uh, where it can be anywhere in your HTTP hierarchy, and I don't want to waste time on, on the podcast about this, but... Uh, in the same way, when people come to the DNS folks and say, hey, we want to use the DNS this way, and here's a proposal, and we go like, nah, you can't do it that way. You can do it, but you have to do it our way. That, that's what happened with, with the, the URI template. If it weren't a template, what would it be? Uh, dot well-known slash doe. I, I, don't, I don't understand that. Okay. Um, so I, so you, could, you could, without asking me did you know where on my dose server what would the uri be you would go to www.proper.com my vanity domain slash dot well hyphen known slash doh slash and you would be there you know that 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 we would have a universal uri oh so is is dot well slash known an http thing Yes. Oh, yeah. So oh, it's oh, an HTTP thing, but <laughs> they don't really like the way everyone's using it. And um, they said, well, you can't use it for this. So now for Doe, I would have to tell you the actual URI, which would actually have some variables in it. You know, oh, I fill in this variable with the request and such. It's a level of indirection. All right. So maybe, so I think we've covered what, what Doe is. It's a way for our browser to send uh, its DNS queries uh, over HTTP uh, to an HTTP server, which of course then needs a name server on the back end that it's handing off those queries to, presumably, right? Yep. And what kind of uh, where where are, where are we with deployment, right? Like what's what's happened deployment wise? So deployment wise, because it's not a very big spec, it's like twenty pages. Um, uh, we've got plenty of implementations both uh, on the servers. That is, people have figured out, oh, really, I just need to like set up, an, you know, they basically have put HTTPS front end on existing um, DNS resolvers. That turned out to be fairly easy. They like spin up Apache or Nginx or whatever and um, do the right little dough things. Like I say, it's not a very long spec. Um, and then it just... Turn, you know, takes those queries and and hands them off to the uh, uh, to to the resolver. On the browser side, uh, Firefox has uh, a publicly visible um, Doe client uh, that is not on by default now, um, but you can turn it on if you go into your into your configuration. You can find it and such like that, and a couple people have. Um, 
Chrome has said that they are actively interested in it. I haven't gone digging through the Chrome source code to see, you know, is it on and how do you turn it on and such, but it's not currently visible in Chrome. Um, and at least one person from um, Safari said, yeah, yeah, we're going to do this at some point. Because um, it's not hard for them either. Really, the hardest part for them is they have to build a, uh, um, a DNS you know, message munger. Oh, I want to ask this question. Here's how I do in DNS. That, but they can use almost any of our DNS libraries to do that. Right. I'm, that's been done. Yeah. I just wanted to mention that I, I think that the Firefox support for it is only in certain builds, right? Only like in a nightly build? No. The, the support, for, as far as I understand, the support for it is now in mainline. It's just it's not at all turned on. You have to, you have to sort of wizardize the configuration in order to turn it on. Mm. That, that's my understanding. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I remember that there were. It's probably one of those sort of about settings tricks, right? And yes, exactly there are right. there are like five different values, and and you can you can determine whether or not you basically use Doe only, or whether you use Doe and then fall back to traditional DNS and and different different permutations of those, right? right? And as they've said recently, they aren't they still have not figured out exactly how they're going to roll it out publicly. Um, so it's not clear what the UI will look like. It's not clear which settings they'll have. So going back to the question of, well, where are we? Um, the um, one thing that is happening occasionally in Firefox nightlies or with certain customers of theirs is that they say, hey, do you want to participate in this little experiment on Doe? We're, we're, we're trying this out. And they've got one mm -hmm. that they either are running right now or soon to, uh, to look at... Um, how, how does it affect uh, queries that are location-specific and such like that? Um, but basically, when Firefox, when Mozilla is running these tests, they aren't actually taking the answers they get back from Doe. They're mostly doing timing and metrics, but they're still using whichever resolver that your operating system is using um, to, to, to get the queries going for your web browser. Hmm. And so be because it's not configured, uh you want to talk about who who they're using on the back end and maybe some of the controversy that happened from the first time they ran this experiment? Sure. Um, so when they first announced their first experiment, they said, hey, in the future, we're going to have, you know, a bunch of different trusted resolvers. And by trusted, it means the, the resolver operator has promised not to monetize the queries and this and that. And they only had one at the time, which was Cloudflare. So they said, we're going to run our first test, you know, with Cloudflare just to see whether, you know, this is actually a reliable thing to do. Because if it turned out to be not reliable, they probably would have thrown away the code. Um, and so they did a test with Cloudflare. They got some numbers. They said, oh, these numbers are, are just fine. Um, and it was interesting because a lot of people in the DNS community heard Cloudflare and said, oh, these queries are going to 1.1.1.1, which is absolutely not the case. Because, again, Doe uses a real URI. Um, and Cloudflare could, you know, because they had made commitments to handle these queries in a certain way, it's not even clear that they used their normal resolver farm. They might have spun one up for this or whatever. And, you know, one of, you know, when you go to an ISP and say, please resolve this for me, you know, at a certain address, you don't know whether that address is any cast or whatever. So... Um, and so there was controversy around that because people misunderstood 
the permission in that. The, the Mozilla folks didn't clearly explain that this was only in nightly builds with people who, have, who had already agreed, yeah, you want to experiment with my data? Sure, no problem. Um, uh, so um, at this moment, Cloudflare is still the only trusted resolver that Mozilla has said, although Mozilla hasn't even said why they trust them. They haven't said um, here are the requirements we have to be a trusted resolver, and here's why we believe Cloudflare when they say yes. Um, they've told me that they're interviewing a bunch of other um, people who wa also want to offer the service, but um, as far as I know, none of them have been announced, nor have the criteria. Yeah, I think I think on the back end side, I think Quad Nine and Google Public DNS also support Doe, but they're not yeah. uh, trusted recursive resolvers. Uh, uh, from Firefox's standpoint yet. Right, right. A and just supporting Doe doesn't really mean much because that's sort of like saying, yeah, I, I know how to set up an HTTP front end. Are they going to treat the Doe queries any differently? One of the other you know, questions that people brought up is when you send a, when I on my browser send a query to my local ISP, and it goes to a CDN. The CDN has some vague idea of my location. When I send those queries to 8888, it, it, they have much less of an idea or no idea. So if you're using Doe and you're not, and the Doe resolver is not um, one run by your ISP, you're going to get unlocalized responses. Is that a good thing for the web browsers or not? You know, the web browser folks have been telling us forever. Every microsecond counts. We, you know, we want this better localization. Uh, how is that going to happen in Doe? We truly don't know. I mean, neither, neither Firefox nor Chrome have talked about how they're going to deal with that issue. There's um, you could use the. Oh, go ahead, Craig. I was just going to say maybe exactly what you were going to say, Matt, which was EDNS client subnet would work with Doe, right? Right, but if, if I'm using a Doe server that doesn't know like my location necessarily or gets it wrong, is that any better? I mean, again, it's the same question that you have currently with the open public resolvers. How well do they know it? My ISP, I happen to use a local ISP, um, but humorously, my local ISP is sort of large in the Bay Area, so everyone thinks that I'm coming from Santa Rosa, the area in California that burnt to the ground last year. Um, but that's that's you know way to the north of San Francisco from me. That's still better than them thinking that I came from Idaho. Um, but the EDNS client subnet problem has not been really solved yet and is controversial in the DNS world. And Doe will probably exacerbate that. Yeah, yeah. By adding a, a, a layer of, of in, another layer of indirection. Well, I know that. I mean, th th those are all good points, Paul. I think from from my standpoint, one of the one of the maybe troubling or worrisome things about Doe is that it bypasses some uh, an organization's internal DNS infrastructure. Um, so. Leaving aside the the geolocation issues, if you're if you're not, for example, a consumer using an ISP, in which case I think you ought to be able to choose which um, recursive DNS service you use. But if you're, say, working for a company like I am here at uh, Infoblox in Santa Clara, well, 
the company would like me to use this internal DNS infrastructure that they provide both so that they have visibility into what I'm up to, uh, so they can troubleshoot problems, and also because increasingly uh, these internal DNS infrastructures provide certain protections. You know, we plumb right. RPZs into the recursive DNS servers to try to prevent your uh, laptop from unwittingly looking up um, a, a known command and control server for a botnet out on the internet. Well, in, in addition to that, there could be names inside that only resolve with internal name servers. Right. Also true. Or even worse, names that resolve differently between internal and external. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one thing to have to have a split DNS where an external person is going to get an NX domain and it's not going to be visible. But there are plenty of setups where somebody has said, I explicitly want the external people to go over here, but the internal people have to go over here. I mean, it's company policy. And as soon as you stop using your your corporate resolver, um, none of that company policy is going to get implemented. Right. Um, yeah. And, and so the browser, the browsers, the browsers are aware of these issues, but they haven't said how they're going to deal with them yet. Mm-hmm. And because, of course, it's running over HTTPS, um, it, it's it's fairly difficult to to separate it from other traffic, right? With if purposely, yeah, that, exactly. That is absolutely one of the goals of writing Go was <laughs> was was to prevent bad interception from happening, right? Right. It also prevents good interception from happening. Exactly. Exactly. With with traditional DNS, if you wanted to make sure that somebody didn't configure their laptop to use an unauthorized external recursive DNS server, you'd, you'd just say, hey, look, from JRandom internal IP addresses, you don't get to talk to port 53 TCP or port 53 UDP out on the internet. And likewise, with DOT, you can do that by cutting off DOT's port, which I think is, what, 853? But Correct. But uh, yeah, not so with uh, with Doe, right? Um, and so, one of the ways that pe- that the browser vendors are thinking about getting around this is to maybe have a way to ask the resolver that your, your operating system is using at the moment. Hey, do you have a Doe a Doe server associated with you? Hmm. Um, and uh, that has been proposed for many, many months. And I say that, I guess I should use the active tense. I have proposed that for many, many months <laughs> um, and have gotten a lot of people going, oh, yeah, that's really cool, but not a lot of support in like working groups for it and such like that. Um, but with that, you would be one step closer and it would make Doe feel more like Dot um, with some of the advantages that you still would want with Doe, such as... The fact you're using HTTP2, you can get server push, you get better caching and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, without that, it's not clear how somebody who cares about their resolver, um, how Doe will affect them. And, and a really good example that was told to me the other day is a lot of people actually pay their ISP additional money or at least sign up for uh, protective resolution. You know, the same kind of thing, Cricket, that you were describing in corporate stuff. Uh, Large commercial ISPs, wireless ISPs and stuff say, hey, do you want us to protect you from malware? And you check off a box. You might even pay them a little bit of money for it. The normal user in that case would expect that really to apply to their browser. And so it's the very thing that they thought they were getting is now being circumvented. 
Right. It, it does become kind of an interesting challenge if your browser, uh, Firefox, for example, magically has a different resolver configuration than other things running on, on your device. Troubleshooting-wise, it's just going to be, uh, be a nightmare. But uh, I'm just thinking about this from the perspective of an enterprise and trying to have the kind of control that enterprises want and need over, over clients. Just, just to keep things, to keep the bad guys out and security wise to say nothing of just making things work. You know, I, I think this is going to have to be addressed, right? I, th I think the idea that browsers would just be able to send DNS queries somewhere else, I, I just don't think it's, it's tenable. It's not going it, to, it simply is incompatible with the way enterprises run DNS these days. Well, so, but here's the question. And again, this goes back to when people said, oh, the IETF is standardizing this. It's like, yeah, but the browsers could do it anyways. Like literally any browser could have been doing the functionality of Doe on their own for the last 25 years. And we wouldn't know it because it would be being done, you know, hidden. So what do we do about the fact that, th that the browser vendors can in fact do this and are at least with, you know, they all participated in the Doe working group. You know, they want to make this a little bit more open, but they still want to do this thing that, Matt, you just said was untenable. How do, how do we have that conversation? Is it simply that this never gets turned on, you know, that this only gets turned on actively? Is it that you turn it on and you see when it starts breaking things? Um, you know, which again comes to horrible debugging and such like that. We totally trust our browsers. That's for sure. Yeah, I'm not sure if there's any easy answer, but but certainly having a certain amount of, of control over over this within, um, I, I don't want to say an enterprise environment because this could easily apply to, for example, um, you know, a school district or or something like that. Um, but that that certainly seems uh, wise. <laughs> uh, what's in it for the the user? Like, there's some advantages. Uh, from the browser vendor, but from from a user, like are there compelling uh, use cases or features of of Doe that make it make it better? I mean, I suppose potentially performance. Or you've talked about server push, but we haven't really said what that is. So none of those, are, in my mind, are compelling uh, to to a user. In the same way that every two years, if you look at how your browser is better, it's better in ways that you're like, oh, that's sort of cool, but you would have never asked for those improvements. Um, this is all the browser vendors trying to guess what kind of features their users would want, not the kind of features their users would ask for, because we don't ask for stuff other than like speed. Um, and I guess sometimes we ask for reliability. And one of the places where Doe gives reliability, which you could never describe this to a user, is... Um, that once you have a nailed up uh, HTTPS session with a resolver, um, you're not going to lose things to random UDP logs. And, and that was what came out of the first fire, uh, Mozilla test, was they said Doe actually ran very slightly slower than normal, H normal DNS requests for like 90 or 95% of the cases, but it ran way faster for mm -hmm. the ones where it was like UDP lost and such right. because those didn't get lost. Um, 
if you say to a user, would you like more reliable DNS? They'll go, yeah, that sounds good. Um, if you said to them, well, do you want more reliable DNS? Where you might have these all these other problems, the answer will be like, where, where are the cats? <laughs> well, the, I, I think that, that in some situations, if you're, if you're a person living in uh, a, a state where there's sort of pervasive surveillance or something like that, the privacy features of Doe would probably look pretty good to you. Yeah, but but the, you get the exact same privacy uh, features with Dot. Yeah, and you get and with Dot you get them for your whole computer, not just the browser. Right, but as you've pointed out, we're we're sort of missing Dot support in most operating yep. systems today. I think yep. I think that the exception is uh, Android P, right? I think that's the. Well, yeah, some 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 builds, you know, pr- probably most builds will 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 do Dot um, by default. Um, but but Matt, let me turn your question around. Why are the browser vendors caring about this more than the operating system vendors? You would hope that the operating system vendors would care about these things as well. I mean that they're used, you know they have sort of a bigger user base, but it's the browser vendors who are moving forward on these things. Well, it's going to be an interesting time coming up. <laughs> it will be. <laughs> Well, have we, have we run dough into the ground? Is there, is there anything else, Paul, or Cricket, you think we should talk about? Not really, because there are so many open issues. You know, until we see a browser, most likely Firefox, do a first release, you know, or quite frankly, until we hear from Mozilla what they consider the rules to be trusted resolvers are. Yeah, I'm quite interested about how the configuration is going to work. Like, mm-hmm. uh, is this going to mirror the way search engines work, that you've got a, a, a drop-down set of them that you choose from, and of course, who who changes their default search engine, right? Like, essentially no one. And is there going to be a default? Right, right. Could you set it via DHCP option? No one has. That would seem to me. Yeah. I, I know you, Paul, I think you said that's what you, you've been uh, advocating for, right? I mean, no, 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 no. What I'm advocating for is actually something that would not rely on DHCP because we have heard nothing from the DHCP world about, oh, we can help you here. Because, and, and, and again, if they were interested, we would already be able, a browser would be able to tell if DOT was being used. Um, but there's no API for that. There's no DHCP options and such like that. So uh, I'm not trusting the DHCP world. The, uh, the extension that I'm proposing uh, for finding out uh, the resolver um, is actually a, sure, I'll say it because it's my own work. It's an ugly hack. <laughs> uh, <laughs> in fact, it's three ugly hacks in one document. Um, but as far as we can tell, they work, and some of the browser vendors are like, "Yeah, we should probably have that." Well, now you have to tell us what the three ugly hacks are. <laughs> uh, two of them involve special use domain names in Ooh. .arva. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, would you call those more ugly or more hack? Um, uh, and then one of them is just a, a URI that once you have the IP address, you can find it. But, but yeah, basically, it's a way of sending. A query to your resolver saying, by the way, what is your preferred DOE server? Or in one of them, it's, by the way, what is your IP address? Because a browser, you know, like the browser has no API, doesn't necessarily, some some operating systems have API, but a browser doesn't necessarily have an API to say, if I wanted to talk directly to the, uh, your resolver, what address would I use? 
Uh, so you mean the equivalent of uh, if a browser on Linux could peer into etsyresolve.conf? Right. Exactly mm-hmm. right. And so there are some APIs for those, some are not, some of them work, some of them don't work reliably. So this would be a way to actually ask the resolver instead of the operating system, what's your address? And do you do dough? And if even, or not, l- let me correct that. The question is not, do you do dough? It is, do you have a preferred dough resolver? Because the answer could be, I don't do dough, but I totally trust that resolver over there to do dough for me. Well, strictly speaking, the, the resolver, it's an apples and oranges thing, right? The, the, the resolver that a machine is configured for is an IP address, and a dough server, by definition, is a URI. Yep. So it, it's, I mean, yeah, the, the URI could resolve to an IP address that's the same as the resolve the recursive resolver, but we really are talking about two different things here. In the case of a resolver that isn't giving out any special information, um, or is giving out, uh, is not, does not do split DNS, but will give you, you know, will, will helpfully lie to you about malicious sites, it might say, you know what, I don't want to set up Doe, but that resolver over there is doing exactly what I would have, so go ask them, you know, use their bandwidth. Well, as I said, it's going to be interesting. <laughs> well, so now I, I think we have exhausted Doe as a as a topic for the for for the moment. I mean, for I, the mo- for I the really moment. hope we can do this again in six months, and I'll be able to say something a little bit more definitive. Well, we would love to have you on to do that. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. I'm not betting on that six months though. <laughs> well, we should point out we haven't done any questions. Our our, our mailbag is. Uh, it's empty as of late. There mm-hmm. were some people who sent sent questions earlier, but we thought it would be too embarrassing for us to answer a 10-month-old question. <laughs> so we're not going to do that. Uh, but we will make the pitch, uh, as always, to please send your DNS questions to MrDNS at ask-mrdns.com. Your, your non-time-critical questions. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So I, I think the only part of the podcast that remains then is the witty banter at the end. That's right. That's right. And the 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 part where you and I check in on sort of what uh, what we've been reading over the last ten months <laughs> and what good movies we've seen, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I know uh, Paul can talk about because uh, uh, he and I have been talking about about reading. You've you've kind of gotten into uh, Scalzi. I have. I have. Um, I am just starting again on, or starting uh, Miniatures, which is his short stories, but I uh, uh, just finished Old Man's War and have decided, okay, I need to read all of Scalzi now. Yeah, he's, he's quite good. I, I read uh, Old Man's War and, and sort of all of, the, all of the successive ones. Aren't we waiting for, he did um, uh, the, the first, what, Collapsing Empire? Collapsing Empire. No, the second one is out. The second one is out. Okay, well, then I got I to gotta get that because I had been waiting for the eighth um, of the Expanse series and it was delayed. It was supposed to come out in early December. I ripped through those. You know, I did too, but then I sort of got exhausted after the sixth one, so I still have seven and eight to read. Yes, yeah, so eight's, eight's the one that's not out yet. Okay, yeah. well, maybe that's the reason I was losing momentum, is I thought, okay, I've been able to plow right ahead with all these cliffhangers. Mm-hmm. Well, if we can shift from uh, books to video, I'm watching uh, 
an interesting series that just started dropping its season two. It's called Counterpart, and it's on uh, stars, stars with a Z. Is that the one with J.K. Simmons? Yes. It's so it's so good. I'm really enjoying it. It's uh, it's complicated. I'm going to have to go back and watch season one again. But the the conceit is that uh, so it happens in most of it's filmed in Berlin, and the conceit is that sometime in the oh I don't forget it was a co- like a Cold War experiment, some scientists in Berlin are doing something and they basically split the universe in two. Mm-hmm. So now all all of a sudden there are two universes that are then begin diverging and the only way between them is in this weird underground passage in this building in Berlin and so it's a it's definitely echoes of the whole cold war east versus west thing going on they really mine that mm-hmm. theme uh, but but so you have people then that exist in both universes and they call, they they talk about your other you know your other is the same the one of you that's in the uh in, in the other universe and jk simmons uh plays a character and we see both of them uh and and the two of them are are quite different because the trajectories of their lives have taken quite quite different paths and it is just amazing to watch this guy you can tell just by looking at him which of mm-hmm. the characters you're looking at? It, I, I'm so impressed with him as an actor. He's a great actor. I've I've always enjoyed him. Yeah, it, it sounds a little bit like there, there are a couple of series that have had those those sorts of conceits, like Fringe. Did you ever see Fringe? No, I never did. People talked about it, and I never looked, never watched it. It's it, it really is it really is excellent, and and um, uh, I, I I couldn't couldn't recommend it. Uh, Highly enough, really, really worth seeing, and and it has sort of the same sort of conceit with a a parallel universe, not a not a universe that's been split, but a parallel universe, and then of course, um, uh, Orphan Black, uh, which which was a, a British show that I think is on BBC A. Uh, the the lead in Orphan Black plays I don't know eight or a dozen different versions of herself. Uh, Tatiana Maslany is her name, and she's just fantastic. I've also heard about Orphan Black, but haven't haven't watched it. I mean, we really are in a golden age of TV. Yeah. I mean, it's really just it's just amazing. Yeah, yeah. I'm I've been watch, watching um, The Americans, which my friend Tom recommended to me really, really highly for a long time. And I, I watched the first couple of episodes some time ago and got kind of stuck. And, and now I'm I'm really going through it. I've I've uh, finished the, the first season. I think there are seven seasons or something like that. And it has that same sort of Cold War vibe set set in the '80s. I also watched the Tom Clancy um, Amazon Prime series, which I'm uh, Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan. Yeah, the yeah, John Krasinski what, Jack Ryan. Yeah, um, that I really enjoyed that as well. Those were those were well done. Well, so there's lots and lots to see, but I, I'll take that recommendation about uh, Counterpart. You said right? Yeah, you know, you could tear through it on the season one on a you know flight to Asia or something. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, we're over our usual sort of informal self-imposed limit of about half an hour. But I think this was uh, was interesting to me. And um, thank you, Paul, for, for coming on. Yeah, thanks um, so much, Paul. I, sure. Hopefully, I, like I say, in the future, hopefully I can give you <laughs> more definitive answers. But this is where we are with Doe today. Great. Well, I'll take us out then. Thanks again for, for listening uh, for potentially 10 years for those <laughs> of you who have uh, have, have uh 
been with us all all that time for the the long pauses, the increasingly long pauses. But uh, you know, we're not going to make any promises. But it would be nice to not wait uh, over a year for the next one. Uh, and again, I'll remind everybody of the email address. We we really do promise to answer questions. It's Mr. DNS at ask mrdns.com. And we wish everyone a happy holiday. And thanks for listening. Bye bye. Bye bye.